Welcome to the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast, now featuring Keith. We are three guys talking about sports and sports gambling, primarily focused on college football and the NFL. This is our 14th episode, and today is Tuesday, December 15th. Bit of a longer episode today with this being Conference Championship Week in college football. We wanted to touch on the full slate of championship games, plus some others in addition to our standard NFL talk. Let's go ahead and get right into the swing of things. I'm Zach. I am Jack. I'm Keith. Welcome back, boys. Absolutely crazy weekend of football we just saw. Wrapped it up on Monday night. Yo, that Monday night football game had no business being as good as it was. That game was wild brazy over there in Cleveland. Yeah, that might have been the game of the year. And the game of the year in college might have happened this weekend, too, with the LSU-Florida madness that happened on Saturday. Definitely the most talked about moment of the year, for sure. Game of the year, maybe, maybe not. But most talked about incident, absolutely. Yeah, this was uh, one of those weekends for me where like Murphy's Law was just in full effect. Between LSU winning when they shouldn't, and the Saints losing when they should win, and the Falcons blowing my lock, things definitely could have gone better for me. We did have a couple good things go our way. Zach winning his teaser for the NFL, and then Keith winning his college football lock as well. Those things went good. Looking forward to another crazy weekend of football. Heading into college football week 16, the conference championship games are being played. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and recap some games from last week. On Friday, Arizona State played Arizona. The Sun Devils were a seven and a half point favorite in that game and ultimately won 70 to 7. Guys, I know all three of us watched this game, I believe. Pretty bad beatdown for the Wildcats. Yeah, only had to watch it for you know 10 or 15 minutes, and then it was it was all but over by then. Arizona did not show up to this game at all. Pretty crazy game. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona head coach, was fired the next day. He went nine and twenty during his tenure as the Arizona head coach. Moving on to the next Friday game, Nevada played San Jose State. Yeah, it's it's Nevada, you you sicko. Nevada, Nevada, <laughs> Nevada. Assholes. <laughs> Nevada played San Jose State. San Jose State was a two and a half point underdog in that game. Looked kind of shaky at first, but they ultimately came through with a win, thirty to twenty. Underdog. Yeah, Jack, the Spartans had 196 of their 200 rushing yards in the second half behind running back Tyler Nevins, who had 12 carries for 184 yards and a touchdown, including a 69-yard nice <laughs> run in the third quarter. Nevada had four turnovers, all on the ground in the second half. They just kind of fell apart. The Spartans are now 6-0, and the best start since 1939. San Jose State's going to move on to play Boise State in the Mountain West Conference title game on Friday, December 18th. This will be San Jose State's first ever appearance in the Mountain West Conference Championship Nevada definitely fell apart. They were winning at halftime, and uh, like I said last episode, this was a game I was looking forward to. I was kind of leaning Nevada. Definitely looked like they were going to take the win, but crumbled in the second half, and the Spartans came through. So moving on to Saturday, we're going to cover these games kind of scattered. Uh, nighttime game, Boise State played Wyoming, and they won that game 17-9. to Snow was coming down like a motherfucker in Wyoming for this game. Uh, this was the type of weather that we were kind of expecting whenever Utah played Colorado. We were kind of leaning the under in that game. Exactly what you would expect in the snow. A lot of running a lot of turnovers bad snaps uh, Boise was a nine and a half point favorite after Wyoming lost in New Mexico I vowed that I would never bet on Wyoming again I actually faded this game completely but it was kind of good redemption just to see them lose now moving away from a team that plays on the Smurf turf to a team that plays on the surf turf coastal Carolina uh, unfortunately they weren't on the teal turf this week they were in Troy Alabama but they did get the dub 42 to 38 this game actually ended up being the weak link in Zach's three-way teaser Zach needed Coastal to cover six points, and the other two legs actually came through. However, Coastal only got the four-point win, and so that tanked Zach's lock for the week. 
Yeah, boys, I'm now 3-8 and eight in college football locks on the season. This one stung because Coastal just played maybe their worst game of the year, definitely defensively. Parlay hit that I talked about last pod, and I bet the parlay as well. But like I said, I wanted the points with the USC game in particular. And so I took the teaser for my lock, and this ended up being the one that broke me. So this was frustrating to watch on Saturday, but you know what? It happens. It happens. Coastal jumped out to a 14-0 lead in the first seven minutes. Now you're probably feeling pretty good about that. I certainly was when I had Coastal uh, laying 12 and a half points. Ultimately, they kind of fell apart, gave up way more points to Troy than they have all season. Uh, they allowed a season-high 38 points, and their previous high was to a team that they will be rematching this weekend. Kind of upsetting. You know, Coastal did come through with a win. Kind of did this how Cincy did. Got the win, but they didn't cover. They're now 8-2-1 and one this year against the spread. I said that I had to tail them. Coastal probably could have held on to the six points at the very least, but Troy just was fighting through. You know, everybody wants to beat the best team, so got to give it to them for coming through with the win. Triple C's, they play ULL. Do we just call them Louisiana now? Like, is UL Monroe that bad that ULL just gets Louisiana outright? Is that how that should work? They'll always be the ULL raging cadence to me. I know people like to call them. Louisiana. People like to call them UL, but I, I like the the three letters ULL. Especially since I went to LSU, you know, I gotta like talk down to the other state schools. So yeah, yeah, us Louisiana boys, we gotta specify where in Louisiana it is, and let's not get it twisted for being you know one of the major cities. In case anyone from Lafayette's listening to this, uh, we love you. Anyways, uh, Coastal faces Louisiana in a rematch for the Sunbelt Championship on December 19th, and Coastal is opened as a four-point favorite in this game. I think that line has actually moved down to three and a half. Moving along into Keith's favorite, the Big Ten. Minnesota faced Nebraska. Scott Frost taking the loss. Minnesota winning this game 24-17. to Keith, uh, you want to go ahead and break that one down for us? Not really, but I'll do it because I you know, have to as being a member of this show. Jeez, this guy got cocky quick. <laughs> it's not me being cocky. I, I have to do, you know, my part. Watching the Big Ten, unfortunately, has to be part of that. Minnesota came into this game missing 33 players due to COVID, so that was great. Nebraska had its four straight losing season, and this was their third losing season in a row in the Scott Frost era, so he's doing big things out there. And uh, The Big Ten announced on Sunday, actually, that Minnesota's previously canceled game against Wisconsin will play on December 19th after the Big Ten championship game will have already concluded. And if that doesn't scream naked cash grab for TV money, I'm not sure what does. They have no business plan playing this game and nobody's gonna watch it anyway let's be real that was a snowy game there's three inches of snow the night before this game and uh ironically scott frost coaching seat is hotter than ever <sighs> please for the love of god just put the cricket sound effect right there Bruh. hey scott frost man you, you gotta admit the guy's getting fired anyway my lock last week guys i had washington and plus six versus oregon that game was ultimately canceled it was a uh, one of 14 games that were canceled or postponed this week i know zach briefly mentioned his lock record i am now six and five on the season for college football i was really hoping to get this one under my belt so i keep improving but i digress sticking to the pac-12 though usc played ucla in an absolutely crazy game they ultimately won that game 43 to 38 usc clinched the pac-12 south with their win and colorado losing to utah and they will face oregon in the pac-12 championship yeah jack this was a wild finish in this game usc trailed most of the game but ultimately people who bet usc to cover aka us lucked out in this one usc is now trailed in the last minute of three separate games this year and won them all and then also i thought it was hilarious i saw a picture that barstool retweeted amon raw st brown younger brother of 
equanimous St. Brown of Notre Dame fame and now Packers wide receiver. But anyway, Amon Ross St. Brown gave the double birds to somebody after the game. I'm not sure if it was a fan or UCLA player or what the deal was, but it was a beautiful representation of how my locks have been going this year in college, and I, I enjoyed that. But a wild game, and USC clings to their perfect record. A major sweat ended up making some money off this game, so came out on top. Of course, Zach's second leg of his teaser, he had USC plus three. That ended up coming through in this game. USC also, with Florida losing, is now actually close to a 50% chance of making the college football playoff. So anyone who wants to argue that Ohio State shouldn't deserve to get in needs to make that same argument for USC. Yeah, the Pac-12 is utter nonsense this year, and I hope they don't get into the playoff only pretty much by virtue is that USC is the scum of the earth. But that's not my Notre Dame fandom or anything talking. We'll talk more about USC briefly. Let's go ahead and just keep moving along, recapping some of these games. Over to the ACC. North Carolina was a three and a half point underdog to Miami, and they absolutely demolished the Hurricanes and won that game 62 to 26. UNC had 554 total rushing yards and six touchdowns on the ground in this game. My Canes didn't look very good. Yeah, I had mentioned last pod that I liked UNC as an underdog to keep an eye on. I said I wouldn't bet him. I ended up betting them after all. Plus 125 is what I got him at. This game was never really in doubt. I thought Miami would at least put up a decent amount of fight. They only had one loss coming in. They weren't getting a whole lot of respect from the playoff committee. So I thought they'd, they'd try to put up some fight, but UNC just dog walked them in this game. The Tar Heels look like they got potentially two future NFL running backs on that squad. So big win for the Tar Heels. Moving into Keith's lock, Auburn played Mississippi State in a rather boring game out of the SEC. Auburn ultimately won that game 24 to 10. Keith locked Auburn laying six and a half points, and he is now 6-1-1 and for his college football lock so far this season. Props, Keith, 6-1-1. It's pretty fire. Only just didn't bet NFL. Whenever you're following handicappers, make sure you know what sports they're good at. Keith, uh, college football is his game. So, Keith, how'd you feel about Auburn ultimately coming through? Well, it was a trash football game in Stark Vegas, but I'm glad it just made me some money. I mean, that's all I can really ask for. It was a pretty boring game start to finish. Uh, I guess at the very end, it got a little more interesting, but still pretty terrible. Bo Nix did Bo Nix things, missing wide receivers that were open by a mile, spinning out of tackles and making ridiculous plays with his legs. Once again, that emotional roller coaster for Auburn fans. Buckle up, fellas, because y'all are in it for the long haul with Bo Nix. This game was 6-3 at halftime and 9-3 at the end of the third, if that gives you any indication of what the offenses were doing the first touchdown of the game actually was not scored until there were 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter by auburn and mississippi state realizing that oh wait there can be touchdowns in this game decided to score a touchdown on their very next drive uh the game ultimately ended with auburn winning by two scores so i was very comfortable in my lock very happy to get out of stark vegas with a win Speaking of Auburn, it was reported on Sunday that Gus Malzahn would be fired and he would receive a $21 million buyout. Absolutely fucking ridiculous that these guys can make that kind of money. My dream job is to be a fired college football head coach. And plus they won, like just really weird timing. I don't know what they were doing. I guess they just didn't like what they saw and they wanted to see them blow out Mississippi State. Uh, Like you mentioned, whenever Auburn finally scored, it was like, I want to say it was like seven seconds of game time after that, that Mississippi State finally scored. (laughs) I thought it was funny that they were covering the six and a half for that short amount of time. You know, ultimately, they came through and won. Auburn's not very good, but good enough to beat Mississippi State. And that's all that mattered. In a game out of the SEC as well, Alabama beat Arkansas 52-3. Alabama is virtually a lock for the college football playoffs. They have a 99% chance of making it, according to ESPN. And their futures are currently minus 125 odds to win it all. They play the Florida Gators on Saturday, December 19th. And Alabama opened as a 15.5 point favorite. And that line has already moved all the way up to 17.5 points after devastating Florida lost to 
LSU. Speaking of Alabama, give Devontae Smith the Heisman, cowards. I was going to bring this up last weekend, but Jack glossed over the LSU getting trounced by Bama. So I'll bring it up now. Devontae Smith currently sitting at plus 1,000 for the Heisman. He is the only non-quarterback in the finalists at this point. A week ago, he was plus 2,000 to 2,200. So you've already lost half of the potential winnings on that, but he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. You guys are just never going to let go of anything I do wrong in life. So I apologize, but let's go ahead. I won't forget to mention LSU this week in our WTF game of the week. WTF. LSU <laughs> beat Florida 37 to 34. Breaking news, guys. Florida man throws opponent's cleat to lose important football game. Absolutely wild. Did y'all see all that smoke over the field? Someone must have smoked a huge fatty at halftime. <laughs> There's the crickets. Yeah, there we go. Fuck y'all. Definitely where the crickets go. Guys, LSU was a 23.5-point underdog, and they were getting plus 880 odds on the money line at kickoff. I think I saw the biggest bet for this game was like a $3,000 wager. That dude cashed in. Everybody else in Vegas lost, and ultimately, the Tigers came through with the victory. Yeah, this one hurt. So uh, with heavy fog in the second half, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter by now, Florida cornerback Marco Wilson tackled an LSU receiver to force a fourth down. In the process of tackling the receiver, his shoe came off, and Marco Wilson came up from the tackle with that shoe in his hand and proceeded to throw that cleat into the fog, in the words of the ref, about 20 yards downfield, and received an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for it. After the play, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 11 of the defense, Throwing the LSU player shoe 20 yards down the field. Unsport, uh, this, that's his first unsportsmanlike conduct foul of the game. Automatic first down. I don't think I've ever heard an official announce throwing a player's shoe. Well, and it wasn't 11. 11. It was Marco Wilson. Yeah, LSU then proceeded to drive down the field, kick the go-ahead field goal, 57-yard bomb off the golden foot of Cade York. As I already mentioned, Florida Moneyline betters, rest in peace. I may or may not have been one of those people, but it was worth the price. And it's also safe to say that Keith lost a lot of money on this game. Yeah, you can shut the hell up. That was not worth the price whatsoever. I'm not excited about this LSU win. It doesn't do anything for the LSU program. It doesn't do anything for the Florida program. It just loses me a bunch of money. I made a parlay. I had to get greedy and get that extra 6% juice. And that was the only leg on this parlay that lost. And that was a $300 swing for me. And I really just want to cry over it. Don't bet parlays, kids. That's all I got to say. What we can learn from this game, though, guys, is that it's uh, it's all but guaranteed that Florida's chances of winning versus Alabama in the SEC championship are slim to none. I think they probably have less chance of winning that game than LSU had of upsetting Florida, to be completely honest. A game like this goes to show everyone, including us, parlay should have little to no part of your long-term betting strategy. It's way too easy for a 99% favorite to lose and just send everything to shit. Yeah, boys, I'm bullish on Bama as it is. But after this game, I see Florida getting rolled with ease next week. And also, Marco Wilson, what are you doing, man? I think my favorite part of that clip, I've watched it back probably 10 times now. And as soon as he throws the cleat, you see all of his teammates around him immediately get pissed at him because they know he just fucked them majorly. Yeah, I think it was number 30. He slaps him right in the side of the helmet as soon as the shoe leaves his hand. And the other corner there just immediately just puts his hands up and you can immediately see the, the regret from his teammates. And it's that's an all-time gif right there. Or gif, if that's what you say. Yo, Marco, when you get your NFL contract, will you send me $300? You know, because it'll be just a drop in a bucket for you, but it'll mean so much more to me. 
Marco Cleats Wilson, baby. I think that's going to be his new nickname for the rest of his life after he transfers to go to a different school and or loses his scholarship at Florida. Cleats, we love you at LSU. know that you lost money, and I, I lost a little bit of money because of this game as well, but as stupid as a play as it was, you got to feel bad for the guy for the amount of hate that he's getting on Twitter and whatever else, but rightfully deserved. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Uh, having said all of that, I think that's pretty much all the games we want to recap from last week. Let me give you guys a little bit of news. We haven't mentioned one of the podcast sweethearts in a while. They had a game versus Coastal Carolina canceled and have been awaiting their bowl schedule. But Liberty University head coach Hugh Freeze has tested positive for COVID-19. There were rumors that Hugh Freeze would be willing to coach Liberty's bowl game from a hospital bed as he has prior experience doing so. But don't hold me to that. I know we're kind of getting a little jokey here. It's always fun to make fun of you freeze, but, uh, you know, guys, take COVID-19 seriously. Liberty University has enough of their own problems outside of the athletic programs, but uh, we hope he gets better soon. Want to see Liberty come out in full force for their bowl game. So that's all the news I really got for this week. Should be some interesting bowl matchups coming out soon, but before we get into that, let's go ahead and move into College Bowl Week 16, Conference Championship Week. Yeah, let me tell you, having championship games on a Friday is a beautiful thing, and I'm, I'm here for it. We got Conference USA, we got Maction, and we got Mountain West all on Friday, and I'm excited for it. Pretty much all the worthless-ass conferences. Like Zach said, always love a good weekday football game, and we got three of them on Friday night that we're looking forward to. I think there are a couple of games that don't really matter, just some consolation bowls that are being played between conferences, but in the games that matter for a trophy, UAB faces Marshall, who is a five and a half point favorite in the Conference USA Championship game. Kind of uh, have mixed feelings about this game. You know, Marshall did have a really good season prior to losing to Rice. Just lost my faith in him after that. UAB's had a lot of time off. But that doesn't seem to really have been a problem as of late. Teams that have been getting breaks have actually, it seems like, coming back playing better, even though they haven't probably been able to meet up and have full practices and things of that nature. Let's go ahead and move along to a conference that we love and hold dear to our hearts. The MAC championship game between Ball State and Buffalo is also on Friday. Buffalo is a 12.5 point favorite in that one. Guys, this is a pick that we all like and going to be one of our consensus picks for the podcast this week. We are all three loving the Buffalo money line at minus 500 odds. Ball State, honestly, from the MAC conference, is probably Probably one of the teams I watched the least, but Jarrett Patterson, that running game for the Buffalo Bulls, actually only had a little bit over 100 yards last week. What a scrub compared to the game a couple weeks ago where he went completely off. And then moving out west for the third game that we're paying attention to on Friday night, San Jose State, as we've already mentioned, is facing Boise State. Boise is a six and a half point favorite in that game. Both of these teams have played pretty mediocre competition in terms of their conference. However, both of these teams are well out ahead of their conference. It just strikes me as a game that Boise State might win, but I don't think they're going to outrun San Jose State by a touchdown. So give me San Jose State plus six and a half, and I think we're all leaning on that. Yeah, I don't really know who's going to win this game. You know, if San Jose State did win, it wouldn't surprise me, but it also would surprise me if Boise won. But conference championship game, you got to assume the scores are probably going to be a little bit tighter than normal. Boise State played Wyoming last week. Weather was definitely a factor, but probably if I had to pick, I'm going to bet San Jose State plus six and a half. Uh, moving on to some conference championship games on Saturday, Pac-12, USC is now facing Oregon, and USC is a three and a half point favorite in that game. Keith, you want to break down the news of what's going on in the Pac-12? Yeah, so actually Washington had won the Pac-12 North by virtue of their 5-1 record, but Washington got into a bout with COVID, lost 
their entire offensive line. I don't think they have a single one on their roster that's able to play this weekend. And they are unable to amass the requisite number of scholarship players, 53, to field a squad for this game. So Oregon will now be replacing Washington as the representative for the Pac-12 North in this Pac-12 championship. Like I said earlier, the Pac-12 is a bunch of nonsense and they don't deserve to be in the playoff, but I digress. I think all three of us are probably leaning towards USC Moneyline for this one. Oregon's just kind of falling apart in some games, losing to like Oregon State in a close matchup. We all had to pick USC Moneyline, and the three and a half is probably where we're leaning for this one. Moving into another conference that doesn't really matter, Northwestern will be playing Ohio State at 12 Eastern time, and Ohio State is a 20 and a half point favorite. I don't think I'm actually going to watch this game at all, to be completely honest with you, but just like with USC, I think we're all three leaning towards Ohio State Moneyline. Get it while it's hot, because those odds are definitely going to keep going down leading up to kickoff. Oh, for sure. I'll probably even take the Ohio State spread in this game. I don't think it'll be close. I would much rather watch the Big 12 championship game that's also at noon Eastern time on Saturday between Oklahoma and Iowa State. Oklahoma is a five and a half point favorite at the time of this recording. Iowa State, I'm looking forward to watching them play. See if they can maybe give everyone a run for their money and push for college football playoffs. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame to the game that we're probably all most looking forward to, game that was originally scheduled at 12, ultimately got moved to 3.30 is Louisiana versus Coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt Championship game. Coastal is a four-point favorite in this one. Unfortunately, guys, I think I'm going to have to fade the Shants this week. Maybe they can come through for the rest of the Triple C faithful. You know, you do what you got to do for the Shants. The way ULL played after their last game, anything could happen with the decisions their coach likes to make. Coastal's definitely the favorite here. Four points might be an easy grab for you. Personally, just going to stay away from it, but I am looking forward to watching the Triple C's continue their undefeated streak on the path to winning the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast National Championship. Yeah, I'm looking at Shants minus three and a half on DraftKings. That makes me a little shy, but I do like the Shants money line at minus 162. Been riding the Shants all year, and this is no time to stop that, especially at home on the surf turf in Conway, South Carolina. Give me the Shants all day, baby. Yeah, I lean with Keith on this one. I, I was really disappointed and frustrated with the Sean Saturday when they let my tees down, but they did win that game ultimately. Uh, we've come this far. I'm either coming out on top with the Shants or I'll, I'll go down with the ship. I know the Raging Cajuns play well in big games, big spots, but I'm sticking with the Shants pod team. Go Coastal, let's take the money line for the win. You know, the Raging Cajuns did lose to Coastal early in the season. So this is a revenge game for them. You know, they're probably going to come out looking strong like Troy did last week. And they did give up 27 points to him earlier in the year. But it's destiny, baby. 2020 is in full effect. And the Shants are coming out on top. Winning. Beating Alabama in the college football playoff. Huge upset from the underdogs. Go Coastal Carolina! Mullets, baby! Bruh. All right, sorry. Yeah, it's mullet season in this bitch. Mullets, baby. Moving into a game of utmost importance as well for Keith. Clemson plays the Notre Dame Fighting Irish right around the same time at 4 Eastern for the ACC Championship. College game day is back for the second time in a Clemson versus Notre Dame matchup this season, and it will take place at the championship game for the ACC this year. Clemson is a 10.5 point favorite, and that's going to go ahead and lead us into Keith's college football lock this week. Not much to say about this one, man. This 10.5 points is just extremely disrespectful to a Notre Dame team that's already beaten Clemson. Yes, Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame shut down Travis Etienne, Clemson's other biggest offensive weapon. I'm not seeing where the books or the public is getting 10.5 from. I'm not understanding the, the love for Clemson and the absolute disrespect and overlook for Notre Dame. So give me Notre Dame plus 10.5 this week. I am locking it up. 
Can't disagree with you, Keith. As much as me and Zach love to shit on you and think that Clemson is going to win, a 10.5 point spread in a game versus the number two versus number three team is, like you said, just straight disrespectful. Ian Book, absolute stud for Notre Dame. Definitely can see his arm keeping them in this one alone. So Notre Dame plus 10.5. Lock it up. Keith is killing it with college football. Don't see any reason to fade Notre Dame this week, except for on the money line. Hey, you can say what you want about the money line, but I picked them up at plus 270 last week. They've actually moved up to plus 280, so I missed out on a couple of bucks, but the Irish are going to pull through for me, so I'm not concerned. Yeah, speaking of the line movements here, Clemson actually opened this game at minus 7.5, and and then it quickly jumped to 10.5 for whatever reason. So like we've been saying, you know, bet the favorites early and then bet the dogs late. So Keith, you got in a little too early, but I understand you you were eager to take that line, and uh, I respect it because I think they got a good chance in this one. Speaking of favorites, I really like this weekend. Let's go to the SEC championship game, 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's Alabama versus Florida. Alabama over opened at minus 15 and a half this line has already jumped to minus 17 and a half i do believe and this is my lock of the week i'm locking up bama covering 16 and a half when i place the bet like i said it's already moved this is another bet the favorites early situation regardless of the outcome i love bama in this game we talked about florida already losing that cleat game against lsu bama's rolling right through everybody i love bama in this game give me the 16 and a half i think they cover it with ease that's my lock of the week yeah, Zach, I can't go against you. Bamba's uh, absolutely just demolishing teams right now. They won 52-3 to last week versus Arkansas. And hey, I know you've kind of had a rough college football lock record this season. Why not jump on the Bama train? If there's any team that's going to get you to the promised land, it's probably going to be them. You know, that's right. So, yeah, I like it. it is, it's a really big spread, but Florida, man, they've just looked so bad in the first half of games. The over-under in that game is at 75 and a half, which seems absolutely insane to me. And now that we brought up your two locks, gentlemen, let me go ahead and drop mine in a game that isn't that important to the grand scheme of college football, but might be to the greater importance of America. Air Force plays Army this weekend. The over-under in that game is 38 and a half. That's going to be the one game that we didn't already mention. That's part of my college football lock. I'm taking a three-way seven and a half teaser at plus 120 odds we are taking the under in the army air force game we're taking notre dame and we're taking the under in the alabama florida game all together i got under 45 in the air force army game notre dame plus 18 and under 82 alabama versus florida lock it up honestly of the three what i'm most scared of is air force versus army notre dame's not losing by 18 points in any world imaginable 82 points alabama versus florida florida doesn't start scoring until two minutes left in the first half so yeah, it's a solid lock, Jack, but did I hear you say the Air Force and Army has no significance? If I'm not mistaken, this game is for the Commander-in-Chief's trophy for the Top Service Academy of 2020, so there's a lot on the line for the boys playing. Uh, definitely not nationally, but for the boys out there playing, they are all in on the pride of taking home the Commander-in-Chief's trophy to their respective academy. Zach, did you have a quick thought that you want to share before we wrap things up? Keith, are you taking a play in Army versus Air Force by chance? Because on episode six, when this game was originally supposed to take place, you had originally locked Army minus five and a half against Air Force. Obviously, a lot has changed since then, but I didn't know if you were playing that game after all. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that. I was actually thinking about this earlier today, but I think the disrespect on my Irish is too great that I have to focus all my energy into that game and take that lock. Also, I mean, locking service academies is a risky proposition anyway you cut it aside from taking an under. So I'm just going to skate by with the COVID cancellation earlier in the year and pretend that that never happened. Good deal. I like it. 
After watching Army vs. Davey last week and just seeing how boring that game was, it was kind of the equivalent of Auburn versus Mississippi State. I'm just not seeing a bunch happening in that game and a bunch of scoring. You know, Air Force, they might put up a couple points, but with Army's run game, I think they had, what, one pass completion all game last week? Should be over pretty quick. Painless. Might see 38 points if you're lucky. Uh, like I said, Notre Dame's not losing by 18 in any world. Uh, jump on that now, guys. You can get that at plus 120 odds, and that is my college football lock this week. Seven and a half point teaser. Lock it up. Uh, there is one more game before we wrap it up, guys. The AAC Championship game also taking place at 8 Eastern time. Bolsa plays Cincinnati. They are a 15 and a half point favorite in that game. Got to stay away from Cincy spread ever since they let us down a couple weeks back. But Cincy money line is pretty much all but guaranteed. Tulsa is like... Florida first half is not their forte and they probably will come out looking kind of strong in the second half putting up some points fighting back but Cincinnati is probably going to take this one kind of interesting to know how they'll be considered in the college football playoffs as well kind of seems like USC and Ohio State are getting heavy favoritism based on their conference but hey who knows Ohio State lose USC lose is Cincinnati that next team that gets in or is it Texas A&M Probably Texas A&M because the committee hates non-Power 5 conference schools. And I kind of understand it, you know, when you're talking strength of schedule. That being said, the best team Texas A&M played was Bama and they got beat pretty bad. So I don't think Texas A&M deserves to be in by any means. But unfortunately, they'd probably get put in before since he ever made it in. For me, I'm rooting for chaos. I want Notre Dame to beat Clemson by a couple of scores. I want Florida to beat Alabama. In that scenario, we'll get Notre Dame, Alabama, Texas A&M, and either Ohio State or USC. That will probably be the worst playoffs ever, but I would love to see it in 2020. Whenever your life's just going bad, Keith, you just want to watch the world burn, huh? See how it is. Florida loses for you last week, and you just want to see all of college football completely implode upon itself. Yeah, like I said, just go ahead. Ohio State, USC lose. I mean, Texas A&M should just lose while they're at it. I know they're playing a rather meaningless game because they don't think they're going to have a chance to get in. But, you know, let's just let's just see it happen. Let's see like a Cincinnati, Coastal, San Jose State, Alabama playoff. No Notre Dame. I noticed you <laughs> conveniently left out one of one of the best teams in the country. Nah, no Notre Dame. Nah. <laughs> Notre Dame and Clemson are somehow both going to lose just because that. Like I said, we're we're rooting for chaos here, so that's what we got to go for. <laughs> I'm not rooting for that kind of chaos. Don't be trash out here. Whatever. <laughs> So guys, there are, there are a couple other college football games this week, but that's really all we're keeping our eye on. Probably we'll keep some other games on in the background. The conference championship games are probably going to be what's most exciting. And that's going to do it for us for college football this week, week 16. Full season's coming up, so that's something that we should be looking forward to as well. Should have a nice college football exclusive episode solely around full season whenever we get that schedule that comes out. So let's go ahead and move along into the NFL week 14. On Thursday night, the New England Patriots faced the Los Angeles Rams. I said last episode that I did like the Patriots as an underdog of the week for me. That did not come through as they lost this game 3-24. to Rather boring game. Uh, Rams are finally starting to come back along. You know, I jumped off their bandwagon and I don't weigh very much, but I guess I lighten it up. Patriots, man, they just look rough. Uh, Kim Newton has five pass touchdowns in 2020. What happened to this guy? Let's flash back to 2015. Kim Newton threw for five touchdowns in a game three different times. Now, I know the Patriots haven't been what they have been in the past. First time in 11 seasons that they didn't clinch the division. Cam was actually benched in the fourth quarter for Jarrett Stidham. Bill Belichick throwing the white flag. Did not see that coming. I figured they would probably put up a little more fight, and the Patriots were eliminated from playoff contention when the Bills defeated the Steelers on Sunday night. 
you got to think your season is on the line if you lose this game probably come out fighting a little bit harder nope didn't happen Patriots just crumbled Rams uh ultimately defeated them so good job Cam Newton you'll probably be looking at a contract with the Bears next year <laughs> that could be we're all about bad quarterbacks in Chicago and I, I like Cam a lot I want him to be good but it's it's not looking promising right now and it'd be a fitting signing by by the Bears front office Rams are coming through holding the top steady in the NFC West currently leading that division right now did not expect that a couple weeks ago but here we are Sunday in the early slate of games we had Kansas City playing Miami Chiefs ultimately won that game 33 to 27 they had a huge lead at one point in this game Miami scored a couple garbage time touchdowns but the Chiefs still held on. Kansas City actually clinched the AFC West with this win, and it is their fifth straight. Know that division's been pretty rough the past couple of years. Chiefs scored 30 unanswered points at one point in this game as well after a rough start. Ultimately, Dolphins covered the 7.5 point spread with 17 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Jack, this was a wild game. Miami started out hot, especially on defense, and then the Chiefs just did the Chiefs thing. And they seem to be on a completely different level than everybody else in the league. Like Even when the Steelers were 11-0, like we'll get to later, everyone still had the Chiefs, rightfully so, pegged as the best team in the NFL. And they see, definitely seem that way. They're so explosive on offense. The defense makes plays when they need to. And even when Patrick Mahomes throws three picks in a game, they still dominated this game after that, despite what the final score tells you. It was a tough one for Chiefs. Spread betters in this, but you know, they won pretty much no problem. And speaking of postseason awards, Xavier Howard's creeping his way into defensive player of the year conversations as he has nine interceptions on the year now. So I don't know if he'll be able to surpass Aaron Donald and TJ Watt, but his name's getting a little bit of buzz after his performance against the Chiefs. Chiefs are looking good, Mahomes doing crazy things, trying to play mad and scrambling for 30 yards and getting sacked. Ultimately, it didn't matter. Chiefs come through, win 33-27. Uh, now that we mentioned my underdog of the week that I like, let's talk about Zach's to make me feel a little bit better. He liked Minnesota. <laughs> and they ultimately lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14 to 26. The Bucs stay alive in the NFC South, and they actually covered the six and a half point spread in this game after looking kind of rough the past couple of weeks. Uh, now, you also mentioned that Kirk Cousins has been looking a little bit better as of late. Unfortunately, his three game streak of having 300 passing yards and three touchdowns ends abruptly. How did you feel about the Vikings in that game, Zach? Yeah, they came out with kind of a weird game plan, doing a lot more running than they were passing to start it out. I did take the Vikings, as as mentioned previously. I didn't expect Dan Bailey to be missing kicks left and right, which was really frustrating to watch. There was questionable officiating as well. It seemed like the refs may have had a little uh, Tom Brady money on the side or something. Call him pass interference on Hail Marys now? Since when? That was the first PI, I think, on a Hail Mary since like 2007, and it went against the Vikings. There was also a roughing the passer that should have been called on the Bucks that was not when Kirk Cousins got hit in the face but I digress you know the Vikings didn't play very well ultimately anyway so I'll take that L and I'll own it it was a, it was a tough tough underdog loss but that's okay but fuck the Bucks fuck the Bucks for real fuck Tom Brady fuck Antonio Brown fuck all of them <laughs> they're they're frauds they're frauds speaking of underdogs Keith is just also going to show us up you know he's got to come out give a better lock record than us all that let's go ahead and talk about his underdog of the week he did mention that he liked Denver versus the Carolina Panthers that ultimately came through with the Broncos winning 32 to 27 Keith give us a little insight on this game well yeah I just said that the odds weren't quite on the same level as y'all were putting out there uh in terms of risk reward with your two underdogs but I did like the Broncos to win this game and they just happened to be an underdog so I said why the hell not uh Drew Locke somehow managed to throw for a career high four scores in this game and Drew Locke helped me pay off some of my Florida debts uh so I got the Broncos at plus 140 and DraftKings was also offering a 20% profit boost on top of that for all week 14 NFL games 
games. So that ended up being a nice payday off the game that nobody wanted to watch. And in celebration of this victory, I tweeted out my favorite NFL clip of Drew Locke singing to Jeezy's I Put On on the bench in the game last year. And that was a perfect cap off to this game. What a banger. Shout out to DraftKings. Shout out to DraftKings. It's always funny. Drew Locke is like the kind of guy who can like get pumped up. He can throw a three yard pass and he'll just like throw his fist out there as if he just threw like a 99 yard touchdown or something like that. So don't like the Broncos. Drew Locke though, you got some good energy. Don't see that from a lot of quarterbacks. (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) Speaking of, Mitchell Trubisky came through. Zach, Chicago Bears got the win versus the Houston Texans this week, 36 to seven. Chicago scored more points in this game than they had in their previous 12 games combined. Yes, we did. And this was a refreshing sight. Speaking of Drew Locke, he's basically the Mitch Trubisky of the AFC, which is to say he's not good a majority of the time. And when he is good, it usually doesn't matter, which is what Trubisky did Sunday against the Texans. He just, he went off. He had a better passer rating on the day than Mahomes and Watson. Love to see it. Granted, our draft position got hurt by that win a little bit, but we're still in the playoff race technically somehow. So the Bears just dominated the Texans. Our defensive line finally played well. Mack had a sack, forced fumble. Watson was getting just destroyed back there the offense was clicking for whatever reason anyone can run on this texans defense so i wasn't surprised to see montgomery do well i guess anyone can pass on him too because if mitch trubisky's doing it then anyone can do it but it was nice to see the bears dominate a game for a change because that hasn't happened since no yeah probably not this was nice the texans look absolutely defeated in this game we will get back into mentioning the texans later speaking of other teams in the afc south the titans defeated the jaguars 31 to 10 and another team of bottom feeders the jaguars look pretty rough i think their season's probably over not gonna win another game and the fight for the trevor lawrence sweepstakes yeah, this was the first leg of my NFL teaser. This game was never in doubt. The Titans dominated. Eric Henry's stat line for the day was 26 carries for 215 yards and two touchdowns. This is the fourth time in his career that he's gone over 200 yards and two touchdowns in a game. Probably unlikely, but Henry may sneak back into the MVP discussion. It'll probably take the Titans winning out, and he'll have to get over 2,000 yards or on the season. The rest of the way, he's got the Lions, Packers, and Texans. They're not good run defenses, so there's a chance he's got to get around 150 yards on the ground per game but there is a chance Derrick Henry sneaks back into that conversation with Mahomes and Rodgers hope not but it's always a possibility that is the one guy I took as a hedge for my Mahomes futures didn't lock it up as I've mentioned because Mahomes is going to win but I digress Derrick Henry one bad week and he's right back to where he should be pretty much all the morning games that we wanted to cover let's move into the afternoon games another game that was part of Zach's teaser Green Bay defeated the Detroit Lions 31 to 24 luckily Zach only needed him to cover by half a point Green Bay was an eight and a half point favorite at kickoff so if you waited to bet that favorite then you got in way too late Packers clinched the NFC North and they are now in first place in the NFC for the one bye week this year in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers threw for 290 yards with three touchdowns and no interception to keep his name in the hat for MVP. Matthew Stafford was pulled late in this game and former Saints stud backup quarterback Chase Daniel stepped in. Keep an eye out on Matthew Stafford's availability for next week as he did look a little bit shaken up on the sideline. I actually did bet this game straight up. I took the alternate spread at six and a half for the Packers and as Keith mentioned I had a DraftKings boost. It got me the same price as minus eight and a half on other books. I liked the line earlier in the week at that number, but I didn't feel confident in the Packers holding a two score lead. And this ended up being one of the only things to go right for me this weekend. Yeah, like you said, Packers more than a touchdown in this game did not happen. And that's why I teased them down. I like them to win because it's the Lions, but Lions do play the Packers pretty well as a big uh, division rival. Well, it's a one sided rival, I guess I would say, but they play close to lose. <laughs> 
Exactly. Close to lose is the Lions motto. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, definitely in that MVP conversation. The Mahomes futures is starting to look like a sweat. It's going to come down to these last three weeks. That race is tightening up. And you mentioned Stafford's rib injury. Speaking of quarterbacks with rib injuries, Drew Brees obviously still out for New Orleans and they took on the Philadelphia Eagles this past weekend. Against all odds, the Eagles led by rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts getting his first start won this game 24 to 21. Your thoughts? Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Man, fuck this bullshit ass game. Let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, I think we'll let Zach give the breakdown on this one. Yeah, Keith did say last episode that the range of outcomes in this one was way too wide to lock in with any sort of confidence. And unfortunately for the Saints fans on the pod, he was correct. So like I said, Jalen Hurts won his first NFL start. Dak called for him to get a starting job a few weeks ago. Finally got it in ironic fashion. Hurts ran for 106 yards and Miles Sanders ran for 115 yards. This is the first time in 55 games that the Saints have given up a 100-yard rusher. The Saints snapped a nine-game winning streak. Taysom Hill... He was sacked five times. Meanwhile, the Saints had zero sacks in this game and their defense has been lights out. So that was a little bit surprising. The Saints play the 12-1 and Kansas City Chiefs next weekend in New Orleans. And we'll have more on that game here in a little bit. Fucking bullshit. That's all I got to say. I hate how I said Jalen Hurts should play. Finally, let him play. What happens? He beats my team. That's fucking bullshit. The universe is fucking with me. He jinxed it. I just don't understand. It is known that he is a much better runner than a passer. And yet the Saints, the entire game, refused to spy him. And so he ran up and down the field on us and had quite a mediocre day throwing the ball. You could at least force him to make some tough throws or put some pressure on him or something and and not let him just take off down the field every time a play breaks down. But I guess that was not in the game plan for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, Dennis Allen was drawing up all week, but it wasn't stopping Jalen Hurts, who was a better Taysom Hill in this game than Taysom Hill was. So that was rough for you guys. I'm sorry. It's almost like Dennis Allen didn't get the hint that Jalen Hurts was going to be the one playing and he like still went along. It's like, no, Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback and we are going to call plays versus Carson Wentz. Yeah, it didn't work out. Saints kind of had to do Saints things and lose to a team that they shouldn't, but really shitty on the opposite end of that spectrum. Or I had to root for the team I hate the absolute most, the Atlanta Falcons. I locked up Atlanta laying two and a half points versus the Chargers. Are you sure about that? Holy shit. What a terrible game. Speaking of bad beats... What a trash game between two trash teams, and actually in a moment of hilarious self-awareness, after this game, the Falcons tweeted out uh, the meme of the two Spider-Men pointing at one another with both teams' logos superimposed over them, and so you can see this retweeted on our Twitter page. You lose. No, you lose. I did not see that tweet. That's awesome that the team team Twitter tweeted that. That's amazing. I'm going to go look at that. Hey, old man. Give me everything. Oh, oh, call an ambulance. Call an ambulance but not for me. Yeah, so that was funny, I guess. I guess if you're trying to, like, laugh away your misery, then that's what you got to do. But either way, in the fourth quarter, Justin Herbert did his best to blow this game, doing Chargers things, throwing an interception with less than one minute to go. But, of course, Matt Ryan had to show him up, throw it right back with 30 seconds on the clock. I was praying to the football gods for Michael Badgler to do what he does best and miss the game-winning field goal and let this one go to overtime, where the Falcons could win by at least a field goal. But it wasn't meant to be. I'll never catch myself rooting for the Falcons again for as long as I 
live. So that was my only lock for this weekend since my college football lock was postponed. Unfortunately, it did not come through. Fuck the Falcons. Rough weekend, man. Rough weekend in the NFL for me. Really, really hard to watch. And I just I can't believe money is all it took to get me to root for the Falcons. I mean, everybody has a price, I guess. Let's move along, though, into more exciting things. Sunday night football. The Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Buffalo Bills 15-26. to Last leg of Zach's NFL lock was 0-39 for in this game. Came through to let him go 1-1 one one for the week. And after his tough loss on Saturday, Zach is now 6-4 and four for his NFL locks this season. Yeah, it was nice to get a teaser win on Sunday after the Saturday loss, which, you know, overall, I had a good weekend, but that teaser loss on Saturday really bummed me out, and this game was not looking good either. In the first half, it was really slow start. It definitely wasn't very exciting at the beginning. There were snow flurries in Buffalo, 32 degrees. It was a scoreless first quarter, and Buffalo led 9-7 to at half. But in the second half, Buffalo reeled off quick 14 points in the third quarter. Josh Allen started stepping his game up. They kicked an easy field goal in the fourth, and that hit the over four me and as we've been talking about the Steelers before this game they were the worst 11 and 1 team of all time and now they're the worst 11 and 2 team of all time I imagine that's going to keep continuing as the season comes to an end here way too soon they are playing like the Bears right now that offense is stagnant they run the same thing over and over again and it's not run plays because they can't run the receivers are dropping balls the defense is pretty good but they can only do so much Steelers are falling apart they're fraudulent we're saying it we've been saying it believe it but they are who we thought they were Love to see it, boys. For the last NFL game from week 14, Monday Night Football, and what definitely was the most exciting Monday Night game of the year, but possibly the most exciting NFL game of the year, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the Cleveland Browns 47-42. to Well, it was an absolute roller coaster ride for both teams. I don't know about you guys, but I was getting some playoff vibes watching this game. Ravens had a double-digit lead in the third quarter when Lamar Jackson went to the locker room with, quote-unquote, cramps. Allegedly. 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 Exactly. Baltimore announced his return was questionable as well. Former Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley stepped in for Lamar when he was sidelined in the fourth quarter due to injury and down by seven. Who comes running to the rescue? Lamar Jackson came back from the locker room. Rich Eisen, I believe, reported that he had to go take a poop. So he comes back just in the nick of time and he throws a 44-yard touchdown pass on his first play back. On fourth down. It's impressive crazy. Anyways, after that, the Browns answered with a quick touchdown, but Justin Tucker, the NFL's best kicker of all time, kicked the game-winning field goal to end it. But wait, two seconds left. The Browns would get one last chance. After a number of laterals, the Browns were eventually tackled for a safety, locking up a five-point victory for the Ravens. Bad beat for the Cleveland plus three-and-a-half betters. After this game ended, it went straight to Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, and he said, safety right at the end, and gave a look to the camera that said it all, that this was going to be the one to come up on bad beats, because this ruined a lot of bets for a lot of people. Absolutely ridiculous ending. I know that you and me were both dying laughing watching that with no action on this game. Uh, I definitely said last episode, Jarvis Landry has a pass play scripted for him every game and defenses still fall for it. Thought that was really funny as well. LSU quarterbacks in the NFL, they just are unstoppable. Jarvis is now four for four this season with one touchdown and an NFL best 158.3 passer rating. So whoever plays the Browns next week, just be ready for him because it's coming. Having said that, I think we've talked enough about NFL last week. Let's go ahead and move on to NFL week 15. Keith, you faded the NFL last week. You were three and three this year for your NFL locks. Anything you got to say about that before we move into this week? 
My losing locks this season have included the Jets team total to hit the under, the Raiders to beat the Falcons by three, and the Vikings to beat the Cowboys by six and a half. I have learned from these experiences to stop putting my faith in bad teams to succeed or to fail. Uh, But basically, I've learned to stop doing this because it just ends up being two bad teams throwing crap at one another for three hours. And regardless of who wins, you end up getting covered in it. So I am just going to avoid any sort of action on these bad teams. So I know you're not going to bet on bad teams this week. Are you going to lock up any good teams in the NFL this week, Keith? So this week, I have decided to take the Zach and Jack route of betting against your favorite teams. No, that's the Zach route. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll claim it. Didn't you lock against LSU earlier this season? He did. That's not the point. The point is I didn't like doing it, all right? Oh, yeah, no, I have no qualms about doing this whatsoever. I'm completely shameless. (laughs) So I have already locked one of my teams, Notre Dame, and so decided to be neutral overall with my fandom. So I am locking against the Saints this week. I am taking the Chiefs in the Superdome, minus three and a half, against the New Orleans Saints, quarterbacked by a tight end who fumbles it every single game. Lock it up, boys. The Chiefs are going to run away with this one. I don't feel great about saying it, but, I mean, I got to do it for the locks. Yin and yang. I liked that one as well, and I like that you're going against your team. So I support this 100%. Watch the Saints win this one, and this strategy completely backfires, and I have both of y'all to blame. That's how it ends up always going, so don't say I didn't tell you so. Having said that, I also am liking Casey minus three and a half. That's another one of our consensus picks for this week. Unfortunately, Kansas City is getting 89% of the money and 68% of the bets in this game. So the rest of the country agrees with us as well. Maybe we can get a scenario like versus the Buccaneers a couple weeks ago where everyone picks the Chiefs and that'll like motivate the players or something like that. But it's going to cost you whatever your wager is as a Saints fan to do that. So Pet the favorite early. Pet the favorite early, for sure. Chiefs are unfortunately looking like the better team right now. Possibly the best team in the entire NFL. So KC minus three and a half. That is Keith's lock this week. Unfortunately, don't want to say I like it, but I do. So Real internal conflict for me, but I'm here to win locks. Zach just loves to see the, the turmoil that it's driving between us, for sure. Having said all of that, let's move into another NFC game that Zach is locking up. Zach, what you got this week for us in the NFL? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take... The Eagles again this week, this time against the Cardinals. You're just doing everything you can to like rub it in that the Saints lost, are you? I guess so, because I'm on the Hurts bandwagon at this point. He is going to start again this week in Arizona. I don't care. Eagles are six and a half point dogs. The Cardinals have looked very fraudulent this year. They're very up and down. The Cardinals have only covered one of their last six games. Meanwhile, the Eagles have covered two of their last three, including the Saints, who they just beat, the Seahawks, and the Packers in their last three. So those are good teams to be in the mix with covering. Overall, I just I don't think the Cardinals are a touchdown better than this Eagles team. And while the Eagles have had struggles all year, they seem to be clicking quite well with Jalen Hurts at the helm. Kingsbury, I think, is a little bit overrated as a coach, and he hasn't been doing a great job with that Cardinals roster that's got a lot of talent, but they haven't been producing and winning nearly as much as you would think. I think six and a half is plenty of points. Eagles plus six and a half. Lock it up. 
I'm not betting on any games that have two birds as mascots, so I've got to fade this one completely. Seems like, uh, like you said, the Cardinals have kind of fallen apart. You no know, Kyler Murray, ever since he trademarked Hale Murray, has not looked as good. Eagles, Doug Peterson, whenever he doesn't have Carson Wentz, seems to do a lot better as a coach. They might not win this one, but six and a half seems kind of generous. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the line actually moves in the favor of the Eagles with the public betting on them after beating the Saints. I'm not touching this one with a six-foot pole, socially distancing myself from it. Hope it wins for you, Zach, but... I got to fade this one, guys. Now that we've ran through both of y'all's locks, let's go ahead and finish up with mine. Now, we mentioned earlier the Houston Texans aren't looking too hot lately, losing to the Zach Chicago Bears last week. So I am going to bet against them this week and take a team that is on the rise and fighting for the division. I am taking the Indianapolis Colts laying seven points. Lock it up. Right now, the Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is on fire behind that offensive line lately with the number one pro football focus grade over the past five weeks. No Zach mentioned as well. The Texans have a terrible defense, and they have the second-worst rushing defense, allowing 152 yards per game. They also have the second-worst overall defense, and the only team allowing more total yards per game than them is the Jaguars. Having said all of that, Texans have a minus six turnover differential versus plus 10 for the Colts. It's pretty bad. This is just not the same Texans team that we saw during Thanksgiving, who absolutely demolished the Lions. Deshaun Watson's weapons on offense have been seized. Uh, Will Fuller is suspended for the rest of the season. Brandon Cooks is injured. Randall Cobb is on the IR. And the uh, Colts are battling with the Titans for the AFC South, and they can't afford to lose this game. Books have been giving Houston too much credit this season. They're 4-8 against the spread, and it's time for the Texans to kick back. Watch the college football with us this weekend. Do some scouting for the draft next year. That's all they have to look forward to. So that is why I am locking up Colts, playing seven points versus Houston Texans. Lock it up, boys. I do like that pick, Jack. I think David Johnson is going to be back for Houston because I think he was just out with COVID. Either way, he's not a difference maker, really. Johnson's been just as good, if not better, and they're still pretty bad. The Colts have been kind of hit and miss, but they usually take care of business against weaker opponents. And the Texans, with that defense, is definitely a weaker opponent. So I, I like that lock, Jack. Let's also not forget that Colts receiver T.Y. Hilton, for his entire career, regardless of how any season has gone, completely owns the Texans. Doesn't matter if he's up or down on the year. Whenever they play the Texans, he is on fire. Look for him to go for 120 and possibly a couple scores this week as well. It's like it's 2010 all over again or something. Uh, the Texans did play the Colts already once this season, and they lost that game 20-26. to 26. So I don't see any reason why the Colts can't beat the Texans by one more point at home this weekend. That is my lot, guys. I'm looking forward to a whole bunch of other action this weekend. Let's just go ahead and mention a couple other games that we're looking forward to watching for Week 15. I uh, know that there was a consensus that we all three liked Miami laying two points versus the New England Patriots. That is going to be an early game on Sunday. Rams are a 17-point favorite versus the Jets, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Falcons. Those are also some early games. I know all three of us are definitely hopping on LA Rams money line. Currently minus 2,000, so not the best price. I love the Rams laying the 17 too. I don't know if the Jets can score at all in this Rams defense. So I'm back on the Rams bandwagon for now until they score me again. Another game that we already mentioned, but all three of us are also liking the over in the Chiefs versus Saints game at over 51 and a half. Taysom Hill, not the best quarterback, but should be good for, you know, 14 to 21 for that team with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray in the backfield. And then we already know Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey can put up a lot of points. So 51 and a half, definitely what we're leaning for that game. I know the Browns did lose to the Ravens on Monday Night Football in spectacular fashion, but they faced the New York Giants. That game opened as a three and a half point for the Browns and they are currently at four and a half points. All three of us are liking Cleveland in that game. And then on Monday night, Pittsburgh plays the Cincinnati Bengals 
who have absolutely no offensive line. Their team got in a fight last week. Everybody got up off the bench to go join in. And the offensive line, they just they don't put up any fight no matter any way that you put it. So Pittsburgh money line, they are a 12 and a half point favorite in this game. I can see them covering that, but just a little bit too much stress for me. Don't want to give back all my winnings on a Monday. So those are all the games and all the bets that the three of us have all agreed that we kind of like together. Is there any bets that you guys like outside of that that you're really favoring but not quite locking up? I will mention one for sure. Washington football team is a six-point dog at home to the Seattle Seahawks. I know the Seahawks are playing really well, and the offense is pretty electric, but Washington's defense, especially the defensive line with Chase Young, has been on fire lately, and they are currently leading the NFC East, which has been more of NFC beast lately than NFC least. So I kind of like the Washington football team to cover that. It opened at plus five, so I'm going to wait and see if it can get to seven, but I like Washington football team there to at least cover that one and keep it a game. Dude, it's already week 15. That's fucking crazy. Football's almost over. It's sad. Don't talk about it. It just makes it go by quicker. I mean, I'm excited for NBA, but I don't want football to end. I don't either. I was actually not going to lie. I was looking forward to college football being postponed in the fall completely and moving into the spring. I was totally rooting for that. Go to the spring. Yeah, so we could have a year round football. I want some other rich celebrity to start up some other makeshift league in the spring just to fail in a, like half a year, but just so we have some sort of football for a little bit. XFL back in 2022, man. That's going to do it for the NFL this week. And uh, yeah, guys, a uh, couple quality locks for you this week. Don't really expect conference games to get canceled. So don't think we'll have that issue. And there was no Tuesday night NFL game. So got a lot to look forward to. Christmas is coming up. Bowl season should be starting pretty shortly after the conference championship games. So we would like to have a bonus episode out specifically for a bowl season. Give a bunch of spreads and locks that we like all at once. That should be cool. I'm looking forward to that. All I want for Christmas is the Saints and Pelicans both to win. Keith, you already know. Can I finally play the Mariah Carey song for the outro this week? You know, I was opposed to it a few weeks ago. I think we're not quite there yet because we do have one more episode that we are going to take before Christmas. So this isn't the quote-unquote Christmas special, but it is the Christmas season, so I'm not entirely opposed to it. We're doing it right now. Let's go. I want the Christmas all right, I got it. I didn't say sing it. I just said play it. I know. I still want to sing it. It's awful. Guys, uh, our podcast locks through our first 13 episodes are now 30, 27, and 1 for a combined plus 1.03 units. Not the best. Probably not going to get rich off following our locks as of late, but we are holding our own. We are staying positive. If you followed and bet one unit on every single lock that we've made for the whole year, you have not done too hot, but you have also not lost a single dime. So that's a lot of entertainment. You know, we do spend a lot of time doing research and looking up games every week. Unfortunately, I have bad luck. Yeah, Zach has bad luck too, I guess. 2020, man. 2020, yes. Anything that goes wrong, it's, all, it's just 2020's fault. Just my locks. I'm really not as bad of a better as my locks would indicate. <laughs> just his locks. Yeah, every the guy is like net profitable, three hundred dollars, and then he's like, oh yeah, my locks went zero too. It's just weird how that works sometimes. But uh, you know that's why you don't throw all your eggs in one basket unless you're betting on Keith. His locks this year doing absolutely great. We were speaking before the podcast recording, just quick catch up, and you know we said Keith came on the podcast whenever he initially did and bet on Coastal Carolina, put five hundred bucks on it. If he had lost that bet, don't know if he would be a permanent member of the podcast at this rate. But here we are. Been a great addition. Can't change the name from Zach and Jack and Keith at this rate. Probably got to stay Zach and Jack. Keith, we are we are happy that you have come along. And now you are a permanent member at this rate. No longer former future guest analyst. It's just now featuring Keith. Yep. Thank you, Keith.
Yeah, good thing the Shants won that bet, and I got my $500, because otherwise I was going to have to work with $500 DraftKings dollars and bet that on Alabama every week to turn that into real money. But the Shants won, and and now my lock record on this podcast is pretty bitching and keeping y'all afloat, so good all around for everybody. Yes, thank you, Keith. And now if we can just get Keith to join in on the marketing aspect of the podcast, share all of his great knowledge with other people so that that way they could profit off of it, that would be great. Either way, we are happy to have you, Keith, like I said. Speaking of marketing, let's go ahead and give a little quick shout out to our social media. Guys, every week we post all of our locks to our Twitter, at Podcast. We also have been trying to post a little bit more stuff lately, funny content, stuff also related to the NFL and college football, some news and some funny memes. Andrew Lock singing put on by Jeezy. And you can find Drew Lock singing terribly, just about as bad as me. Also, if you want to download the Action Sports app, we also post all of our locks there every week. Absolutely great app for tracking your bets and wagers. You can find us on there under the same handle at ZNJSB Podcast. Zach. Oh, shit. <laughs> not, not yet, Zach. Hold your horses. Uh, guys, you're also now available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you name it, YouTube as well. If you could subscribe, give us a like, leave a rating. It means a lot to us and it does a lot more than you would think. It doesn't cost you anything. We are spending countless hours every week. Really hard work to watch so much football. It doesn't pay very well, but it is fun. Do our best to put out a quality episode for you every week. Even if the locks aren't always winning, we are trying our best to find good picks. Hey, speak for yourself. No one asked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> alright let's end this episode <laughs> <laughs> alright guys well that's going to do it for us we had a lot of fun thanks again for listening guys we really appreciate it alright Zach now's your opportunity I'm Zach I am Jack and I'm Keith thanks for listening guys and may all of your bets prosper peace deuces how did y'all not laugh at my joke about somebody smoking a doobie come on I saw it on reddit it was fucking because it was awful. Oh, you, dude, what? You weren't supposed to see the fact that I stole it from the internet. Isn't this getting cut? <laughs> He's leaving the shit in. <laughs>